Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the Passing Shots round-by-round catch-up of the US Open. We will be talking about round three from the men's and women's draws as we get closer to the business end of the tournament. And I think, Kim, you know, I don't think there's been actually that many major shocks so far in round three. And and really, I think kind of the theme so far has been kind of the general aggression to fans and to the media. The fans have also reciprocated it well. And I think there's only really one place we can start, and that's with the, the Daniel Medvedev post-match on-court interview which was it was fun it was fun (laughs) fun yeah um (laughs) bit of aggro going on yeah I mean I've watched it a few times and I have to say like I love the fact that he he sort of went and said you know that the crowd and the energy and everything like helped him to win blah 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 um and then the, i think the interviewer asked him another question and then he just kind of repeated the same answer and was like i'm going to win my next five matches because of you and the way you've been tonight um and i was thinking well technically four matches would be correct because he's only got to play four more matches in the tournament to win it but anyway um yeah i don't know exactly i didn't watch the whole match obviously it was on in the middle of the night so we were asleep but he got a warning earlier in the match for like mistreating a ball kid. And then the crowd didn't like that very much. Uh, Medvedev actually stuck his middle finger up to the crowd at one point, which I don't think the umpire saw. Otherwise, I'm, I'm sure that he would have got another warning. Um, and the crowd were just booing him. And then it all culminated, yeah, in that kind of fantastic interview at the end of the match. <laughs> You know, I think if if there was an Oscar category for like best trolling of a Grand Slam audience, I think that would certainly I think that would certainly make the the shortlist because, yeah, it was just a chorus of boos. And it wasn't just kind of a few. It was just it was so audible on the, you know, on the TV. And um, yeah, obviously he was he was playing up to it in a sort of kind of pantomime villain sort of way but mm, um definitely it, it just shows i think it just shows you it's kind of like you know i think medvedev's been the real kind of almost like the darling of the us open hardcourt season so far you know with you know winning and being in lots of really good form and getting to the finals at you know master series events etc but this match it just went the complete the complete <laughs> opposite and i mean you know he, he was playing against a kind of a fan favorite a bona fide fan favorite oh, yes. in in Feliciano Lopez and you know there was that sort of kind of good versus evil kind of 
uh, narrative and, and Medvedev certainly was playing up to kind of the, yeah, the pantomime villain in my, in my view. Yeah, I mean, he is known for being like a fiery character and getting annoyed and smashing rackets. So it's not like a surprise. But I mean, what I found quite interesting, I think it was Ben Rothenberg, actually, he... He said, actually, if you just look at what Medvedev said, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, you could interpret that as uh, someone thanking the crowd for giving them, you know, really good, positive, warm energy. It's just the way he delivered it. His, yeah, his body language um, and, yeah, his acting, I thought, was kind of superb in, you know, perhaps not the most respectful way. But I guess, you know, he was annoyed that the crowd were against him. You know, perhaps they had good reason to be against him and he was just giving back. But actually... One of our listeners uh, at What's Up Marky, he said, coming from what happened during the Medvedev-Lopez match, do you consider the crowd at the US Open to be the toughest to play in front of among all the slams, especially if you end up on their bad side? Like, what do you think, Joel? You've been yeah. to all the slams. I, I haven't experienced the US Open crowd like firsthand. Do you think they're like harsher than any other slam? Well, well first, I think, that is a, I think that is an absolutely fantastic question because I think all the crowds at the different Grand Slams, they are very different. The US Open crowd is very different to the Wimbledon crowd. I think, you know, for me, the Wimbledon and Australian Open crowd are kind of passionate fans. They're more kind of polite and, you know, reserved. And whereas kind of the French and the US crowds are a bit more likely, I think, to kind of whistle and boo and kind of, you know, not like uphold the etiquette of kind of tennis fandom uh, or tennis spectating but um you know in, in my in my view I think the US Open crowd yes there was booing but I feel like it's more of a a theatre and a, a pantomime sort of villain whereas with the French Open I feel like though the crowd there if they really don't like you they can reduce you they can reduce you to tears <laughs> Yeah, I, I think, yeah, they can be quite, <laughs> quite harsh. I mean, even, you know, players have to have to play against, you know, tough crowds a lot of the time. You know, if you're playing against Federer in Switzerland or something or, or Federer at Wimbledon, you know, Djokovic had to contend mm. with pretty much the whole stadium being against him, you know, in the Wimbledon final. But it's about how you respond to it, isn't it? So actually, I think I'm sure all this booing probably didn't phase Medvedev and he's kind of responding back because he's saying, well, you can boo and hiss at me all you like, but I'm just going to go out there and do my thing. And I think that does show that he's feeling really confident about about his tennis at the moment. You know, he said he was really tired and cramping and he, he probably needed that, like, something to fire him up to get him over the physical tiredness he must be feeling after having played so much lately. Definitely. And I think that, I think it will be interesting to see, you know, in his next match, whether there is a hangover of that kind of, that booing and that like resentment. But no, I think, you know, personally, I feel like the US Open, the US Open crowd, you know, it changes every day. I don't think they, I don't think it kind of, there is a, is that hangover. I think it's very kind of, right. That was just one day. That's just an isolated incident, incident. I think kind of the next day it's kind of start afresh. And I think that, you know, I think that when he goes into that next match, I think it'll be more of a, a level playing field. And, you know, if he comes through it, Again, I think that post-match interview, I think he might even kind of riff riff off of the, you know, what's happened in the previous round. Yeah. Also, it does, it, you know, obviously people drawing comparisons with Nick Kyrgios and his antics. And you know, some people are also kind of saying that, you know, is there double standards with some players, you know, um, given 
you know violations of things having bad behavior some people sort of turn a blind eye and you know i mean if medvedev is going to carry on perhaps you know having having controversial things like this come up i mean because apparently stan Mavrinka had a bit of an episode yesterday he threw his racket towards a linesman i haven't seen this uh myself but it was uh being talked about on twitter quite a bit and then apparently he asked the umpire if he would be given a warning and didn't get one, which I think is a bit strange if you're throwing a racket towards a linesman. But um, a lot of people calling out, you know, saying that other players are getting violations for this, that and the other. And, you know, uh, some people aren't, which, you know, that harks back to what Curious was saying the other day about the ATP and double standards. But um, let's move on from, from this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we could go on at length about it. What else has happened uh, in the last day or so, Joel? We've had we've had Federer winning through very comfortably over Dan Evans. That was quite disappointing, especially from a British perspective. I think I think we felt that Evans going into that match perhaps had more of a chance than in their previous matchups because you know Federer had been dropping the first set in his first two rounds, but it was not to be. I think kind of I think what did Dan Evans in most. Um, it wasn't his necessarily his performance, but I think it was the fact that he had to play on two consecutive days. And, you know, we just spoke about the, you know, the idea of double standards and whether it exists in the, in the tennis world. And again, it was kind of brought um, to the fore in the, the Evans and um, Evans Federer match um, in the post-match uh, in the post-match conference. Uh, Federer got particularly, um, snippy um at kind of the suggestion that you know he can kind of just put in you know this idea that Federer can ask for a time uh to play on a day and you know it be done at, you know a click of the fingers whereas someone like Evans who is a lower ranked player you know he came out and basically said look if I try and put in a, a request to the US Open organisers, it'll just fall on on deaf ears and um you know Federer kind of was you know sp- asked this kind of debate was asked this kind of question um in his conference and yeah he was not particularly not particularly thrilled um with with the with the question yeah i do feel like okay maybe you know federer doesn't have as much privilege or power as people think he does with the organizers like maybe it is tv and the tournament directors and things like that actually, you know, mostly determining the schedules. I'm sure they probably looked at Federer against Dan Evans and thought, well, this isn't exactly a match that's going to set the world alight. So let's not put it on in the night session. Um, And Federer had had two previous night sessions. So obviously at some point he's going to have to get a day session. But I do, Federer's comments sort of did great on me a bit because I do think he needs to recognise his privilege more. Maybe he he doesn't realise how the position that he's in I don't, I don't know it's is is he aware of of how other players perceive perceive the inequalities between the top top players and you know I don't know if Dan Evans even did ask to make it a later match but maybe he felt that he just there was no point because you know he just thought well I'm not going to be listened to I'm only you know world number whatever I just think from a spectator point of view, I think it's like, you know, well, as a British tennis fan, I think it's just a bit of a shame that it's kind of like what well, Evans played yesterday and then is like first up on Ash on the following day. And it's like, it's not ideal. And, you know, 
could he have requested, you know, a, a match later in the day? Because, you know, the exertions the day before, you know, to give himself, a, a you know, a fighting chance at least. Because, yeah, he lost 6-2, 6-2, 6-1. Very comfortable uh, for Federer. Um, let's move on to Novak Djokovic as well, who, again, we, you know, in our last pod, we were kind of wondering, well, he, it, at some point he was looking at potentially retiring from his um, second round match, but managed to, to come through up against American uh, Dennis Cudler. And again, came through in a really kind of clinical victory, a little bit different to kind of Londero in the, the round before, came through 6-3, 6-4, 6-2. But again, there was that question over his shoulder. And, you know, I think a lot of people were wondering and potentially fearing about kind of Djokovic's participation in the US Open because of the shoulder. But it seemed to not really affect him in no. the, the Cudler match. Well, I know. I mean, I, I don't see how if if he had a really severe shoulder injury, he could just go and dispatch Dennis Cudler, you know, in straight sets like that. Um, I mean, maybe, you know, he did put his shoulder in ice for 48 hours and it's magically <laughs> fine again. I mean, maybe we'll see it appearing again next match. But a lot of people on Twitter and social media were saying, oh, you know, Djokovic has done this before. He's kind of... Uh, exaggerated injuries, perhaps. I don't know if that's an attention-seeking strategy or, um, you know, preparing an excuse in case he does lose. Uh, I don't know, but he it's not the first time that this would have happened uh, where there's been a bit of a question mark and then he's just gone on and won the tournament. So I think for now, we just need to, I guess, not think about it as being a, an object because that, that, you know, that would get into opponents' heads as well. They might think, oh, am I in for a chance here? But um, I mean, we'll see really, I guess, how his shoulder is in the next match because he's got Stan Wawrinka. So they're actually going to be playing for yeah. the first time cannot mess since about there, three, so, uh, yeah, three yeah. years ago when Stan beat him in the final here. So that that's going to be, I hope, a cracking, you know, thrilling match. You, you would expect it to be with two players of that calibre. So... Yes, definitely. I think, um, I mean, arguably so far, that is probably the pick of... Um, the round four ties. Um, so uh, yeah, so that was kind of um, the kind of the the top the top seeds. Elsewhere, um, yesterday we had Nishikuri who went out. Uh, you know, to me, I think quite surprisingly to Alex De Menor, um in four sets. Um, so De Menor's now reached his first slam uh, fourth round, um, and then yeah, uh, making the best of a, a really good draw. A German qualifier who we, we spoke about in the last round, um, last pod, Daniel Kupfer. I hope I'm saying that right. No, it's Dominic. Uh, it's Dominic oh, Kupfer. So, sorry. <laughs> I think oh, the last sorry. name's all right. He just got his first <laughs> name wrong. I was so intent on focusing <laughs> on his surname that I was just like. Uh, Oh, what's his first name? Anyway, yeah, he he beat Baslashvili mm. uh, to go and come through to round four. That's a that's a great effort for. And a, we've for also a got Grigor Dimitrov in the fourth round of a slam for. Well, it must be the first time in a while. Um, he he beat this uh, Polish lucky loser who I I don't know how to say his name. Matchek Matchek. I don't even know, but yeah, uh, luck of the draw for Dimitrov, I suppose. He, yeah. He was uh, the the lurkly loser. Was I think I think I read somewhere he was he was um, he had a chance at becoming the first lucky loser to reach round four um, of the U.S. Open since uh, nineteen eighty three. I think, uh, but yes, Dimitrov making the most of 
you know, I think a pretty comfortable draw so far, but, you know, he has not been in this position that often. And I know, Kim, we said, oh, when was the last time Dimitrov was in the week two of a Grand Slam? It was actually the Australian Open 2019. Oh, well, this year. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> that went under year. my radar. <laughs> okay, maybe we've been a bit harsh well, yeah, on him exactly. then. Um, that was so long ago, January, my gosh. Uh, but yeah, so we um, that was all yesterday. And then, well, we also had yesterday my semi-finalist, Sophia Kennan, is out. She lost to Cincinnati champion Madison Keys in straight sets. And Keys is actually, I think she's made seven of the last nine um second weeks of a slam which is actually very amazingly consistent but you don't really think of of her as as doing that and being so reliable so i should have you know seen that one coming really i just thought sophia kennan had been in such good form in the run-up if you had if you had looked at uh the collector set table Mm. uh you can see a lot uh, quite a lot of people predicted um predicted keys to beat Kennan, as as I did, oh, so don't yeah, one, too much, one, Joel. one point on the board there, but yeah, Keys. I think Keys is certainly a contender. Yeah, well, she's got to be. And I think you know, in terms of the other seeds as well, we had you know something to boost her chances. Simona Hallett lost to American Taylor Townsend in in two sets, seven five six two. No, no, no. That was um, that was in the second round. She lost to Taylor Townsend, oh, and Taylor sorry. Townsend has today backed up that win against Castella in straight oh, sets. Oh, there we go. There we go. Um, yeah, she she she's doing what she does best, coming to the net a lot, playing a different sort of game. Um, and yeah, Taylor Townsend, who like five years ago was being tipped as like the next big thing, then has been really you know really struggling uh, on the circuit. She you know maybe she is finally gonna do something she's into the fourth round of a slam for the first time um and she seems like a really nice down-to-earth person I, I really want her to do well but she's she's got to play Bianca Andreescu next um which many people have predicted to win the tournament uh Andreescu came through against Wozniacki in straight sets today so that'll be interesting but I mean I expect Bianca Andreescu will, will win that one um we've also had I think Elise Mertens has gone through today but Kiki Burton's has lost, I believe. So uh, one of them through, one of them out. And in terms of your predictions, Kim, uh, from our preview episode, Annette Contavite, what happened there? Well, <laughs> she would have made the semi-finals, Joel, but she's actually retired, well, withdrawn from her match against Belinda Bencic um, because of injury. So... Sadly, my I've lost two of my semi-finalists <laughs> in round three. Um, but yeah, my, my my male semi-finalists, well, three of them are still going strong, which I'm pretty sure everyone else has got them as well. Uh, Rafa's two sets up on Hyung Chung. Oh, Sasha Zverev's a set down to Aliash Bedene, former Brit. Um, Ooh, interesting. John Isner and Marin Cilic are in the first set. Pablo Anderhar, Joel, against Alexander Bublik. That's an interesting third round. I mean, who would have expected that one? Yeah, I mean, when you say interesting, I can't. I actually can't believe that is a round three at a at a US Open. Uh, I'm going to put my hand up there, but um, but yeah, Anderhar could have been Kyle Edmund. So frustrating, so frustrating. Um, I mean, that just shows you the kind of how quickly fortunes can change in tennis. But yeah, Anderhar, you know, could another surprise kind of potentially fourth round for him uh you know on the women's side again we've also got what was it um christy arn's come through against yelena ostapenko oh she won oh great because i um 
There was a lot of buzz in the media. I think there was a good article, wasn't there, about um, how she, her parents have been really yeah. pressurising her to kind of retire from tennis and, and give it up and go and get like a corporate job. And she's really stuck to stuck to it. And this year she's starting to, you know, see her, her hard work pay off. And, and yeah, into the, what, the, well, this will be the fourth round of a grandstand for the first time. So that's amazing. Yes. And, and what, what, what have we got this evening? We've got, well, we've got Osaka Goff. That is going to be an interesting one. Do you know what was the most interesting about the Osaka Goff match in the build-up? John McEnroe actually came out and said he doesn't want Coco Goff to win because mm. he doesn't think, you know, bigger picture, he doesn't think that is a good, um, it's a good matchup for like a 15-year-old to beat you know, the women's, you know, women's world number one. Um, and, you know, in terms of her development, I think, you know, I think he kind of sees it as like a good kind of experience to kind of learn from, but not necessarily, I've, maybe you'd actually get more from it from, from losing, losing. Yeah. As opposed to, as opposed to winning. Losing and learning rather than winning and maybe getting complacent. Although I, I do think that, you know, Coco Goff's family have been very strategic about, making sure she does all the right things that, you know, previous people have, have done and who have gone on to be successful. So I'm sure that if Goff was to beat Osaka, I'm, I would like to think that they wouldn't suddenly be like, oh, she doesn't need to do any more work. She's she's right up there, you know. Um, I'm sure that they would just take it on board and, you know, um, progress through I mean, and just, just think in- about it and match it at a time. That's all you've got to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really intrigued to see how it will go. I don't think Goff will win. I think Osaka will will come through but i think there might be some some tight moments we will see yes i think it's going to be yeah i think it's going to be a could potentially be match of the the tournament yeah. in the women's in the women's section so far i think it's definitely a an interesting matchup you know it's not happened before uh, yeah i kind of with golf coming with the crowd behind her how is osaka going to react to that um yeah could be good one it could be a good one to watch and then following that we've got rublev versus nick kyrgios which again could be uh i think that could go i think that could go five sets could be a lot of drama and angst in that one they'd be wanting to top medvedev (laughs) from last night i mean well rublev's in good form you know kyrgios has, has made it through to the third round um i think it's quite ironic that he's you know box office saturday night match at the us open you know, despite all this sort of shadow hanging over him, over possible suspension. Um, I mean, it, it's, it definitely tells you that, you know, he puts bums on seats and sells tickets, doesn't he? But yeah, that, that, that I mean, I, I want Rublev to win that. I think, you know, for me, I prefer Rublev. I'm not going to pretend to be, bi- uh, you know, unbiased here. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, that's going to appeal to a lot of people that much. Yeah, definitely. Well, when you when you've put, Nick Kyrgios as your semi-final prediction in That's the collector usual, set. Yeah. You're going to go for him over Rublev. And then, yeah, we've got, also got on Louis Armstrong in the night session. Um, the Contavite, Contavite obviously pulled out and that was on there, but we've got Gael Monfils versus Denis Shapovalov, mm. which, um, yeah, it's kind of gone under the radar a little bit, I think. Um, I think Monfils is playing really good tennis at the moment. Um, him and, and Svitolina just kind of power couple in terms of getting to the 
you know, latter stages of or week two even of, of the Grand Slams. Yeah, I've not even heard his name being mentioned, to be quite honest with you, for the first two rounds. I wouldn't be able to tell you <laughs> who he'd played or anything. I think when I've scrolled through like all the scores, I haven't even seen Gail Monfils appear. So totally under the radar. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's go and talk a bit about the British uh, prospects, Joel. Obviously, we've covered Dan Evans. He's he's out. He's gone. But once again, Joe Conter is the last remaining Brit in the singles competitions. She won through in straight sets over Zhang uh, yesterday, and she now will play Karolina Pliskova tomorrow. Uh, what do you think her chances are against Pliskova? I think the last time they met was in the Rome final, which, of course, Conter lost in straight sets. But do you think... I don't know. Do you think it's, she is going to have enough to maybe overcome Pliskova tomorrow? Well, uh, you know, Kim, we spoke about with Conta before how, you know, she seems to put on these clinics, but she's just as susceptible in following up, putting on, on a clinic with kind of losing meekly in, you know, a couple of sets. But having said that, I think, you know, the way she's kind of dealt with her opponents over the last couple of rounds, she looks in cracking form. There's something about her that, you know, when it comes to Grand Slams, you know, the two weeks of a Grand Slam, she's able to just put it together. I think she's been one of the most consistent players on the tour in reaching kind of the the latter stages of the Grand Slams. I think she's got to the fourth round at minimum of all the Grand Slams this year. And yeah, I know Pliskova is, is the third seed, but... You know, I think she's had a few wobbles so far. You know, I think it took her kind of two very tight uh, tie breaks in her in her first round match. Um, and I think, yeah, I w- I'm not I'm not going to say that she's there for the taking, but I certainly can see Conta uh, Conta winning that potentially in in a you know in a three set battle. Yeah, I mean, she beat Kvitova at Wimbledon, didn't she, Conta? So I think I think it's winnable. Um, I think she does better against these sorts of players where she is the underdog, and it always seems to be against the ones that, uh, you know, she should come through easily that she sort of suffers with. Um, But yeah, last two slams, she has lost to a Czech player. So we'll see. Um, I mean, also on the women's side, Ash Barty came through in straight sets. Svitolina, as we just mentioned. Serena Williams as well. She came through in the third round against Mukova. So they're all into the fourth fourth round. So um, yeah, I mean, some pretty... There hasn't been yet any significant, I don't know, upsets yet. Maybe the most significant or surprising was Taylor Townsend beating Simona Hallett the other day. Um, Also, though, potential doubles upsets. Uh, Cam Norrie and Dan Evans are currently set up against the world number one pairing of Cabal and Farah. So that's uh, pretty good if they can pull that one off. Um, I think Jamie Murray, Luke Bambridge, Johnny O'Mara there, Joe Salisbury, they're all still in the doubles. So perhaps uh, we might be having some men's double success over this fortnight. Um, but yeah, Joel, I mean, whew, I'm just going to... I don't think I can stay up for Osaka Goff tonight. I think I'm going to have to watch a replay tomorrow because, well, I think you're running a half marathon tomorrow, aren't you? So you won't be able to stay up. <laughs> yes, but, you know, as I'm sure with a lot of fans, the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning is just go on the US Open app Absolutely. and catch up. Catch up on all um, the results that have happened whilst I've been sleeping. Um, but yes, uh, looking forward to round four. You know, we've spoken of already. We've got a very, you know, in the men's section, we've got some very tasty matchups already. Djokovic versus Vavrinka, probably the pick of the tie so far. Kupfer, Medvedev. Probably expect Medvedev to come through that. 
Federer, Goffin. I think Federer's going to win that very easily. Very pleasing <laughs> on the eye sort of tennis, I think. Yeah, but, uh, but Federer's boring. come through that. Dimitrov, Dimitrov. Dimitrov de Menor, though, is an interesting one because Dimitrov is in this position. He could, I mean, this is a very good position for him to get to a quarterfinal. Um, De Menor is not going to be a walkover, but that certainly is, I think that's a genuine 50-50 matchup. Yeah, Um, I agree. Both players will be looking at that thinking they can win. Yeah. Um, And then tomorrow we've got Serena Williams against Petra Martic. Uh, Chong Wong against Ash Barty. Svitolina Keys. That'll be interesting. Um, I expect Keys will edge that, but... Hmm. And then Pliskova against Conta. Yeah. Again, Svitolina's one of those players that you just never... Like, she does go under the radar, doesn't she? She she gets on with it, and that's probably helpful. You know, I wouldn't want all this buzz around me. That would stress me out. So, um, But yeah, we'll <laughs> be back, I guess, in two days' time, won't we, to round up round four of the US Open um so thank you for listening everyone and hope you can join us next time remember to tweet us your thoughts on social media let us know uh what you think about all the drama that's going on just tweet us at passing shot pod uh tell your friends about us um I know we've had some listeners I think Joel listening to us on the way to the Belgian Grand Prix so trying to match the Amazon rainforest. <laughs> Tell us where you're listening from. Um, but yeah, let us know. And uh, we will see you in two days time for fourth round catch up. And until then, thanks for listening and goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.